0: So if you know Jesus, death can't separate you, the flesh can't separate you, trials can't separate you, sickness can't separate you, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. Author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God.
0: If you decide to walk with Jesus with all your heart, you will win in the end. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk, I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us this time. Today we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the incredible Song of Solomon. Well, it's almost time to bring this beautiful, inspired book to a close. And like most good stories, it's got a happy ending. We ended last time with the Shulamite charging the women of Solomon's court for the third and last time to stop trying to stir up the illicit desire in her for Solomon. She won her battle with temptation and only longed to be joined to her beloved shepherd. The closing paragraphs can be divided into three sections. We have the Shulamite and her beloved, the Shulamite and her brothers, and the Shulamite and her betrothed. So let's go right to the message, An Hour of Triumph, and see how it all ends. Remind you of who the characters are. There's a couple of new characters. Uh, They're going to pop in tonight. Of course, there's the shepherd who represents the great shepherd. This book is all about Christ and the church. It's a picture of Jesus and you, Jesus and me. It's a picture of our walk with Him and the battles we experience in our endeavors to walk with Him. You have the shepherd who is the great shepherd. Then you had the Shulamite. The Shulamite is us. The Shulamite was just minding her own business one day when some of Solomon's men came and under his direction, because he had cast a lustful eye on her, she's a very beautiful woman, they kidnapped her, took her away, took her to Solomon's pavilion where he intended to make her one of his harem. So the book is all about her standing strong in the presence of all of his temptations and machinations and the different ways he tried to seduce her away from the shepherd to himself. Now, that happens with you and I every single day in this wicked, depraved world in which we live. It's a battle every day in our minds to leave the shepherd and drift towards the world. All right? And so that's the picture. Well, she won the battle. And she had some intense battle, but she won. Now, tonight we're going to look at an hour of triumph, and it's almost time to bring the story to a close. And like most good stories, it does have a happy ending. Thank God. I don't like bad endings. I don't don't like movies that end bad. You can have them. I want to walk out smiling and feeling good. Well, this ends well. We ended last time with the Shulamite charging the women of Solomon's court who are a picture of just worldly people who were always working in conjunction with Solomon, the women of his harem, to convince her to be one of them. Now, she charges them one last time for the third time to stop trying to stir up illicit desire in her for Solomon. Now, she won her battle with temptation and only longed to be joined to her beloved shepherd, as do we. Amen? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, the closing paragraphs can be divided into three sections. We have the Shulamite and her beloved in verses 5 through 7, chapter 8. We have the Shulamite and her brothers, verses 8 through 12. We have the Shulamite and her betrothed in verses 13 through 14. Then we're done. Now, the first voice to be heard in verse 5 is the voice of the companions Of the shepherd, the buddies of the shepherd. We would call them the best men, who are the friends of the bridegroom. And in verse 5, it's them talking, and they say, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Now, what has happened here? At long last, the two are together. We're not told when or how it happened, how the shepherd secured the release of his bride from the perfume prison of Solomon's pavilion. We don't know. We don't need to know. We just know all of a sudden she's out of there and she's with him and they're coming home. You get the picture, don't you church? If you don't, here we go. She was there one moment and the next moment she was gone. All we know is the miracle had taken place. The shepherd had come, the shackles were broken, and she was with her shepherd at last. Now, you have to believe what I do about the Word of God. The Bible is not a book of good ideas. It's not a book of neat wisdom, one among many. It's not a book composed by men that contains some of the words of God. The Bible, every word in the original language is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when I read my Bible, I get excited right off the bat. Matter of fact, My favorite time of day is to get out there in the morning immediately and get into that Word. Because I know I'm approaching a book where there is none other like it in the whole earth. There's not another book like the Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's breathed out of the very breath of God. So if I know I'm approaching a book that came directly from heaven to me, then I expect that thing to jump out and speak to me, to minister to me, to change me, to rearrange me. God did not put me here to judge his book. He put his book here to judge me. So when I see what's happening here, that this Shulamite is suddenly delivered, suddenly snatched out of Solomon's pavilion, and the friends of the bridegroom, the shepherd, see them coming and we know that there has been a deliverance from that place which represented the world, then we've got a perfect picture of the rapture of the church. He and his friends joined in the joy and the rejoicing of the reuniting of the bride and the groom. And this is exactly how it shall be with us. Oh, catch this church. If this doesn't stir you, you're not saved. I'm smiling. Don't look at me so serious. Maybe I'm not saved. Don't do that. All right? This is exactly how it shall be with us. One moment we're going to be here on earth, and the next moment we'll find ourselves staring at our longed-for shepherd face to face. As John wrote, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We do know this, that when he comes, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is the perfect picture of the rapture of the church. The church is going to be gone in a flash. And this poor wretched earth, I feel sorry for all the inhabitants that remain. You know why? Because it will suddenly be bereft of its salt, its light, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, its nobility. Because the Bible paints a picture of what the character of men is going to be like before Christ returns. And it's nasty, ugly, difficult, murderous, hateful, lustful, covetous, betrayers. I mean, you can read the laundry list. So when the salt and the light are taken away and the nobility, why do I say nobility? Because the real character that is on the earth before he comes is going to be the character of Christ formed in his people. So when it's taken out, the nobility is gone. The restraint is gone. No more salt to restrain decay. No more light to shine into the dark. No more character to stand up and say, what in the world are you doing? Next we find the shepherd and the Shulamite communing together. She's out of there. And they're walking along. What a scene of relief and joy and fulfillment. They are now out of Solomon's prison. And they start communing together, and the first thing they talk about is what they remembered. Verse 5, second part of the verse. I awakened you. Now, this is the shepherd talking. I awakened you under the apple tree. There your mother brought you forth. There she who bore you brought you forth. What does that mean? The shepherd is reminiscing on the time and the place where their love began. What do he say? I awakened you under the apple tree and that's where the love began. That's where love was sparked. Beautiful romantic setting. And then he equates love with life. That's when life began. He says, there your mother brought you forth, there she who bore you brought you forth. What he's saying is, you being born into the world, the love that sparked between us was just as eventful. Love is like life in that it brings forth something new. Love is like life. Listen, I believe if you haven't loved, you haven't lived. I'm going to say that again. If you haven't loved, you have not lived. You have existed. God didn't wire anything else in his creation to love but human beings, the way that we can love. I think if you haven't loved God, you haven't lived. That's vertical. And if you haven't loved horizontally, you haven't lived. You say, well, love hurt me, Pastor Jeff. Well, we're about to see that love is stronger than death. It's also important for us to remember as Christians when our life with him began. He says, let me talk to you, sweetheart. Do you remember when our love was first sparked? And they go remembering, reminiscing back. The message for me and us is we need to remember back when love was sparked between us and the great shepherd. Do you remember? Do you remember when you fell in love with Jesus? I do. I was stunned that it could even happen. I was stunned that I could love someone I'd never seen. As the Bible says, having not seen him yet, we love him. How can you love something you haven't seen? How can you love somebody you haven't seen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you love him who you haven't seen. I think we need to go back sometimes and remember that first spark under whatever our apple tree was. I was in jail. Huh, some apple tree. 16 years old. But that's where I met Jesus. And, and I can go back to that spark of divinity when it touched my heart. And that's what he's doing. He's taking her back. So they're walking along and they're reminiscing. And as they do this, we always have to keep in mind why the Holy Ghost gave us this book. Because it's a picture of Christ and his church. So is it possible Jesus says to you and to me, let's go back and reminisce a minute. Do you remember your own apple tree when he touched you? How many of you remember? Amen. And wasn't that wonderful? And the Bible says, don't ever lose that first love. Now it's good to occasionally go back into the past to remember your spiritual birthday. I have two birthdays, June 22nd, and I don't know the other one exact date, but it was the day that I was born twice, and that's my second birthday. Now, then they recall what they had relished. Well, what did they relish? First, they had relished love's seal. Look at verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart. Set me as a seal upon your arm. This might also be rendered Wear me as a seal close to your heart. Wear me like a ring upon your hand. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, hey, you could pull so many Hallmark cards from the Song of Solomon. I mean, they're endless. And boy, I'll tell you, if us guys could even talk half this good, wouldn't the women be happy? Can you imagine saying your... Honey, wear me as a seal close to you. As you're walking out the door to go to work today, wear me as a seal close to your heart. Wear me like a ring upon... You're not going to get out that door. (laughs) Now, the seal spoken of was a signet ring, okay, that in olden days was regarded as the actual signature of the owner. The signet ring is a ring they would wear that they would push down into melted wax and leave their seal, okay? Okay? I've had one of those before. When I was a kid, I thought it was really cool. Superman or something like that. But you, with melted wax, you push that seal down in with the ring and it left an imprint. It left your insignia. That's the seal he's talking about. In Bible days, the signature ring actually stood for the person who wore it. It represented the person that wore it. Like our visa represents us. The signet ring... Stood for the person who wore it. The imprint left by the ring was used to make contracts binding, and they were also a symbol of ownership. So, what is he saying here? He's saying, "I want you to wear me like a ring, because guess what? I am yours, and you are mine." Now, let me tell you something about it. As you go through this earth, you go through your workaday world every day. Tomorrow, you are going to be there again. Do you know what the Lord wants you to do? Wear Him like a ring. Wear him like a ring. You know why? Because you're his. You're not as his when he comes again or when you die. You're his right now exclusively. It is exclusive. So wear him like a signet ring. I'm going to go back to that. Set me as a seal upon your heart when you go out the door. As a seal upon your arm. Wear me as a seal close to your heart. Wear me like I own you because I do. The signet ring, again, bringing it to the church now, the signet ring, the Lord Jesus Christ gives to his earthly bride is the Holy Spirit. When you and I got saved, he put his seal on us. Let me read it to you. It's the mark of ownership. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 13, you were, read it with me, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you know what he's got on you? The mark of ownership and He wears you like He owns you, and you wear Him like you own Him. We were sealed with that precious Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If any man has not the Spirit of God, he is not the Lord's. That is the difference between saved and lost. Those who are saved have been forgiven of their sins, and they have the mark of ownership, the seal of the Holy Spirit in them, within them, living in them. And the lost man, the lost woman are totally bereft of the Holy Spirit within them. What a horrible thought. What a terrible thought. But it's true. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, they are none of his, Paul wrote. Okay. So this is huge, incredible symbology and typology here. So then the shepherd and the Shulamite relish love's seal, but they also Relish love's strength. Look what they say about love. Love is as strong as death. Can we say that together? Love is as strong as death. Well, death is pretty strong. The believer has many enemies in life, but the last and worst is death. Death is man's enemy. And Hebrews tells us that most people on earth live in dread fear of death all their lives long. I personally have a little Conviction about this. I believe one of the reasons people go to drugs and alcohol and immorality and different escape mechanisms they choose in life is because they cannot handle the reality that one day they will die. I think it's an escape hatch from fear and we try to drown out the reality. And the older you get, the more it begins to creep up on you that you are mortal. You are not immortal. Everybody's body will die. And the lost man who has no concept of eternity, no concept of God, no hope for the future, cannot handle that thought. And it begins to work a number on them the older they become. The Bible says death is an enemy. But love is strong as death. Stronger, in fact, than death is love. Look what Romans 8 says in Verse 38 to 39, for I am persuaded that neither death, there's death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, he has exhausted all possible adjectives, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you know Jesus, death can't separate you, the devil can't separate you, the flesh can't separate you, trials can't separate you, valleys can't separate you, sickness can't separate you, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's powerful. So in that respect, love, His love, is stronger than death. If death is strong, so is love. For love, he said to her, Hey, dear, love, hey, do you realize it now? We've been through all this and here we are walking along together and we have overcome. Do you see that love is as strong as death? Because it almost came to death, this trial we're just now coming out of. We see next what they realized as they walked along. They realized they had a powerful foe. The Shulamite had spurned Solomon, strongest, most powerful man on the face of the earth. She had spurned his advances, his flatteries, and all of his promises and offers, and she had offended him. She had triumphed over him, but he was still out there, still threatening, still to be watched for. And as the two walked hand in hand, they talked about the vindictiveness they expected. And I want you to catch this because it's so true of us today. Look what they said in verse 6. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. What are they saying? Though the Shulamite was now saved from Solomon's clutches, envy and jealousy could yet raise their ugly heads through him. Because he was a spurned, you talk about a spurned woman, he was a spurned man. And he could do a lot because he was so powerful. That's where that verse comes from. They're discussing the possibility that jealousy and envy could rear their ugly heads and come at them. Jealousy is the white hot emotion of hell. Solomon wrote about this tormenting emotion in the Proverbs as if he knew all about it real well. Look what he said about jealousy. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood but jealousy is even more dangerous. Another version says, who can stand before jealousy? Anybody ever encountered somebody jealous? Oh man, there's nothing like jealousy. I'd rather face a lot of things than a really jealous person because they sit in the shadows. Their eyes are filled with envy and jealousy over what you've got or what you've done or what you've accomplished, and they hate you for it. A lot of you have been attacked by jealousy and never knew that's what it was. In the office place and other places, little arrows were shot at you and you didn't know where they came from or why they came at you. Truth be known, behind closed doors, back in the inner regions of that office place, somebody got jealous of you. No wonder the Song of Solomon was included in the final canon of Scripture. What a beautiful and riveting picture has been presented of the shepherd, a type of Jesus, the Shulamite, a type of the church, and Solomon, a type of the tempter. I don't know about you, but I've been inspired by the resolve of the Shulamite to be true to the shepherd in the face of a mountain of obstacles and spiritual attacks. We still have part two of the final message to go, so join us next time as we continue with the message An Hour of Triumph. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours.
1: Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. An Hour of Triumph is the
0: final message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free
1: at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station